I remember as a boy going to Sunday school class on Sunday mornings at Appleby, Texas. And if anybody had the milk of human compassion flowing through their soul, they would have felt compassion for my mother and for Lorraine Boyd. Because every Sunday morning they faced a Sunday school class that had eight boys in it and no girls. And some of those boys were a bit on the mischievous side. But they didn't uh, cut any of us any slack. And one of the things that we had to do was every week we had to have scriptures memorized. We had to memorize the plan of salvation. We had to memorize what we did in worship. We had to be able to quote scripture verses for all of it. And it turned into competition and they had prizes for us. And, and quite honestly, you did not want to show up without having your work memorized. And yet, if you think about when we've all grown up as kids, and we've all attended Bible class or Sunday school class, and the teacher will say, well, I want you to quote one of your favorite passages of Scripture. How many times have you heard some smart Alex say, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. And then everybody laughs like, oh, wow, hey, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. It is the shortest verse in the Bible. And it does say Jesus wept. But what most people aren't aware of is there is another verse in the Bible of only two words. And that verse is found in Paul's letter to the church of Thessalonica in chapter 5 and verse 16 where Paul said, Rejoice evermore. Now, it's a slightly longer verse because those two words have more letters. But there you have two verses. And those two verses make up the two shortest verses you can find anywhere in Holy Scripture. But those two verses go together like no other verses in the Bible. Because if that first had not happened, the second could not exist. If the first had not come to pass, the second could never be. It was because of the fact that Jesus wept that you and I can rejoice evermore. I think it's unfortunate that the division of our English Bible, the division of our Bible into chapters and verses, have isolated those two verses in the way that they have. Because those two words in John eleven thirty five. Beautifully portray for us the humanity of Jesus Christ. 
They've become the butt of silly jokes. They've become the butt of irreverent laughter. Those that want to recite the passage. But those two words, Jesus wept. They show us just how much like us Jesus was. Divinities do not weep. Angels do not weep. But men and women weep. The Bible tells us that Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are. In becoming like us. In being born of a woman in a manger in the stable of Bethlehem. And becoming like us. Jesus was able to weep just like we do. He went through the cradle. He went to the workshop with His Father and He went to the grave just like we do. He experienced all of our emotions. He experienced all of our temptations. It says that He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was my Jesus. There were three times that tears flowed from the divine eyes of Jesus Christ. One of those is at the tomb of Lazarus in John chapter 11. We read of this place in Bethany in Luke chapter 10. There were three members of that little home in Bethany. There was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I have no doubt that this was a home that the door was always open to Jesus. From my study of the Bible, I am, I am convinced that that little home in Bethany, the, the key to the front door, Jesus knew which rock the key to the front door was hidden under. So that any time He was going through Bethany, if He wanted to, He could stop there. And... Luke chapter 10, it tells us that Jesus and the disciples had come into the little home there. And Jesus was teaching them there. Martha was in the kitchen preparing a meal. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the words that Jesus spoke. This was a place where Jesus felt like He could let His hair down, so to speak. It was a place he knew he could be refreshed. It was a place that he knew he could find loving companionship. It was a place that Jesus knew he could go and see friendly faces and hear friendly voices and not have to worry about the crowds and the multitudes. Well, John chapter 11 tells us that Lazarus, the brother in the home, had gotten sick. And as it tells us there in, in John chapter 11 that Lazarus had gotten sick, Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus. And the word they sent to Jesus was that the one that you love is sick. And Jesus sent word back and it said this sickness is, is not... When Jesus heard he was sick, he said, well, it's not a sickness unto death. 
It's just something that the glory of God might be seen. There's a very telling verse in John 11, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But He waited two days before He went to Bethany. Then He said to the disciples, let's go into Judea again. That's not a good idea. The disciples said, Lord, the last time You were there, they tried to stone You. You don't want to go back there? He said, we're going back. And Thomas, with a sense of resignation, it's Thomas who's called the twin that we always refer to as Doubting Thomas. Thomas said, well... The King James says, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas said, well, if he's determined to go, let's go with him. If he's going to die, we can die too. And so they got to Bethany. And they found there that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus comes close to the city. I want you to see this. It's a dramatic meeting. Jesus is drawing nigh to the little village of of Bethany and He meets Martha on the road. And Martha makes a great affirmation of faith that day. She said, Lord, I know if You had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Lord, I know whatever You ask of, of God, He's going to grant. Jesus said, well, your brother will... Live again. And she said, well, Lord, I know that He's going to live again in the resurrection. But Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said, I believe. Well, after she confessed her faith, Martha goes and gets her sister Mary. And she told Mary, she said, the Lord's calling for you. And Mary comes out to Jesus. And it's near Jerusalem. There's a great company of Jews that come out there. And here's what it says. Then the Jews that were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out followed her, saying, She goes to the grave to weep there. And Mary comes where Jesus was. And she saw Him. And fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews weeping who came with her. And he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to the Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. He saw Mary weeping. He saw the Jews that had come to the grave with her weeping. It says He groaned in the Spirit. He was troubled. And Jesus wept. Has that passage ever troubled you? Has that passage ever caused you to wonder why Jesus wept on that particular occasion? Was Jesus weeping because He could not raise the dead? Absolutely not. Never for a moment 
Was it in doubt that Jesus Christ could raise the dead? Jesus had planned it this way. From the time that He left the Jordan to come to Bethany, He said, what did He say? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. It was for the glory of God that He was there, that He waited till Lazarus was dead to go to Bethany. It's for the glory of God. Well, was He weeping because of the lack of faith on the part of Mary and Martha? No. They had both said, Lord, if You had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Lord, we know whatever You ask of God, God is going to do. Martha had already confessed her faith in Him. Jesus Christ stood and wept at the tomb of Lazarus because He saw those that He loved weeping. Mary and Martha. He saw the others weeping, the sorrow, the sadness that was in those hearts that day. Jesus wept that day out of a sorrowing sympathy for humanity. I do not have. And no man on the top side of God's green earth today has the vocabulary to describe the sympathizing Jesus. He knows all of our sorrows. He knows all of our heartaches. He knows all of our pains. He knows all of our troubles. And it doesn't matter what's on our heart and what's burdening us and what's weighing us down. No matter what our sorrow is, no matter what our trouble is, no matter the deep waters we're passing through, we can take it to Jesus. And when we take it to Jesus, we know that Jesus will sympathize with us. But here's the beautiful part. Jesus Christ can do more than weep with us. And Jesus Christ can do more than sympathize with us. People can come to us and they can pour their hearts out to us. And when they do, we can sympathize with them. And we can say, I love you. And we can say, I'm going to pray for you. We can put an arm around a trembling shoulder and bring comfort. But we have our limitations. And Jesus doesn't. Jesus did more that day than just weep with Mary and Martha. Jesus did more than just sympathize with Mary and Martha. It says in John 11, He cried with a loud voice and He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the one that was dead came forth from the grave. We can offer sympathy. And we can offer consolation. But Jesus can save. Jesus can take those who are dead in sin and raise them to walk in newness of life. 
Jesus could take me and take you out of the depths of sin, cleanse us in His blood, and raise us up as new creatures fit for heaven. Because Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus, Jesus can save today. The second time we read of Jesus weeping is in Luke 19 and verse 41. It's Sunday night. It's the beginning of Christ's last week on earth. It's actually Sunday night before His resurrection the following Sunday morning. And this particular day, Jesus has spent the day in busy activity. He's ridden triumphantly into the streets of Jerusalem. They've spread palm leaves in His path like they would for a conquering war hero. And Jesus has ridden through the city on the back of a lowly donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. He's come through. He's been hailed as a conquering king. The next morning, Jesus is going to the temple. And He's going to drive the money changers out for the second time. But standing there that night, Jesus was looking over the city of Jerusalem. And He wept over the city. Luke says, drawing nigh unto Jerusalem, Jesus wept over the city. You see, Jesus could look at the city of Jerusalem. And He could look yonder in the future. And He could think of the horrible future that lay in store for the city of Jerusalem. The destruction that was going to come their way. And He wept that night. We see there, once more, the humanity of Jesus. It's the weeping of a man that has been misunderstood. It's also the sorrow of a man over his chosen people. He'd come to his own people. They'd rejected him. Scripture says he came to his own and they received him not. And as a result of that rejection, Jesus knew that in just a few short years, the city He was looking down on would be completely destroyed. Actually, if you read about it in secular history, the destruction of Jerusalem is one of the most devastating sieges the world had ever seen. And knowing that, Jesus wept over the city. But because of that humanity, and because Jesus wept, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and he says, Rejoice evermore. Real children of God are not sorrowful, Long-faced individuals. 
real children of God are full of joy and they're happy. God created a lot of beautiful things. You can walk outside this building this morning and you can see a beautiful sky and beautiful trees. You can go to places and you can see beautiful flowers. And there are majestic animals that can be seen in in the wild and in many places. But of all the beautiful things that God has created, God only created one of His creatures. And only one part of God's creation has the ability to smile. And that's us. And Jesus wept and He died on the cross. We have the ability to smile. And why? In the name of Israel's God. Do we walk around sometimes with faces long enough to eat oats out of a churn? We need to smile a lot more. Our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the peace of God that passes all understanding that Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 4. And as God's children, we have a home in heaven. We can look forward to an inheritance that is incorruptible. But if Jesus Christ had not wept, we could not rejoice evermore. Those two statements go together. Those two statements go together like apple pie and ice cream. They go together like Laurel and Hardy, like Abbott and Costello. They're intertwined. The fact that Jesus came to this earth And the fact that Jesus went to the cross. And the fact that Jesus was able to weep. And went through everything that He did. Made Him the author of eternal salvation. To all them that obey Him. Have you obeyed Him? Is He the Lord and Master of your life? If He's not. Make Jesus the Lord and Master of your life. In simple, trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confess His name and be buried in the waters of baptism. He'll wash your sins away and you'll be a new creature in Christ. And maybe you've done that. But somewhere along the way, you haven't lived His kind of life. You haven't really realized what it was to rejoice in Christ and to rejoice evermore. You haven't lived for Jesus and other folks have seen that. You need to come back. Because Jesus wept, I can rejoice evermore. It's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.